you smell what the rock is cooking good evening ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another edition of if you smell what the arch is cooking i am your host archie mitchell back once again with another week of action-packed wrestling that is right here on this show we look at the modern product and what's going down on our weekly shows a little show advisory here mlw will be taking a couple of weeks sabbatical uh as they get ready for their season premiere uh on reels tv in the next couple of weeks so there was no show this week and there will be no show that next week but i did find a nice replacement that i think we're going to enjoy and once mlw makes a return it might stay on the show permanently we're going to see how it does uh also there weren't very many quick hits this week not a whole lot of major news going on but we're going to talk about what we talk about i'm going to fill you in with the quick hits the highlight reel and the low light reel and let you know what went down what i liked what i disliked and what really pissed me off so with that being said there's no better time than the present go ahead and crack open your favorite frosty beverage strack in bubble up and get ready to go on this wild ride as i spew my venom my hate and my love for the world of professional wrestling and we're going to get into some quick hits number one of two warner brothers discovery has signed a new five-year one billion dollar deal with all elite wrestling that's right AEW will stay on tbs and tnt they are even being greenlit for a second two-hour show on saturday and their third televised show uh they are taking aew dark and dark elevation off of youtube which will be replaced by a ring of honor television show over there on the youtube network and uh yeah i mean look you could say that there's bad things going on in aew you could say that they're the second best promotion or even the third best promotion in the world today but you cannot deny that they are doing something for warner brothers and discovery that they have put so much faith in them and I will say that I did enjoy AEW Dynamite a whole hell of a lot better this week than I have in weeks past. Uh, if they can continue on this upward grind, if the ticket sales for Wembley Stadium are true, and they are already at 60,000 people, then they're already two quarters of, uh, excuse me, three quarters of the way there. Uh, and they only have another 30,000 tickets to sell to be at a full sellout. Uh, you know, look, UK fans are different. Puerto Rican fans in Puerto Rico are different. They they do show up and show out. You know, it's, well, we don't get a wrestling event all that often, especially a big one. So we might as well go out of our way and pay a hefty ticket price to see it when the WWE or AEW come here. You know, so Warner Brothers Discovery throwing this much money and that length of time at AEW does not shock me in one bit at all. Because when you look at it here, after wcw died and tbs and 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 tnt and the entire turner broadcast network decided we don't want wrestling on our company on our channel anymore with our company tnt and tbs kind of fell on improv comedy and and a bunch of stupid shows that were being canceled after one year not doing the ratings you know putting george lopez on no knock at george lopez at 11 o'clock at night because they had nothing better to put on and the only thing that's even getting them great ratings is the NBA. So by all means, all power to them. Bring a wrestling company back. Why would you kill it after its first, its first few years, right? Give them some time to grow. Continue to let them, you know, spread their wings. Good job to AEW on securing the deal. I think it's a perfect fit for them. 
And in addition to that, AEW will now also be broadcasted and streamed on all of Warner Brother Discovery channels uh, and streaming sites. So that will give anybody a chance who has never seen AEW now an opportunity. If you've got Warner Brothers Discovery and their streaming systems, by all means, check them out. So, yeah, great job by AEW here. I will commend them in a big way getting this deal done, whether it was Tony Khan, his dad, or, you know, a development team, whoever did it. Great job, guys. Uh, and finally, number two, also coming out of AEW, Dax Hardwood says after his current contract in AEW is up, FTR, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Hardwood will retire in 2027. Now, you've got to remember something here, folks. For all of you who are groaning and saying, why why would you do that when you're one of the best tag teams, if not the best tag team in the world? Dax and Cash spent a lot of time on the independent scene, a lot of time in FCW, and a lot of time in NXT before they got called up to the main roster in the WWE. And then a lot of time in the WWE going through a lot of crazy times and a lot of, you know, stupid suggestions and storylines and whatnot. Then they got held up in their WWE contract before they got let go. And then finally got to AEW, New Japan, Ring of Honor, Mexico, and were able to do the things that they've been wanting to do with their careers now. You understand? These guys are not young. These are not two 25-year-olds who are still looking to have another 20 years in their career. These are guys who are journeymen and have battled to get to the top of the game and do all that they can. So by 2027, they're going to feel like little old men in this business. They're going to feel like they don't belong. They're going to find themselves in the young man's game and they feel, well, hey, if we can't compete or don't want to compete anymore because we can't do it at the absolute best, furthermore, We've already made enough to take care of our families and do right by them. Why are we going to stick around? I'm sure AEW will offer them either a manager, one of them a manager role or a uh, off front office role or the WWE will. You never can tell. All that matters is, is they're going to go down as one of the best tag teams in the world when they finally retire. And I think they should be commended. So if Dax and Cash decide, hey, we're, we're hanging them up in 2027, unless AEW or WWE throw a shit ton of money at them, then by all means, I say congratulations on a well, um, well done, amazing career, holding tag teams championships in every company that you've ever worked for, and some that you didn't even, you know, work for, but just did a passing by. Great job, guys. Well done. So, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and look at the highlight reel, ladies and gentlemen, and we are starting off. With Monday Night Raw, the opening match, Seth Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura versus Damian Priest, a three-way in the tournament for the World Heavyweight title, the newly created World Heavyweight title. And it was fantastic. It's the, I, I'm going to say this a lot during the show, but it was the way a three-way triple threat match should be done. That matchup, the triple threat, as I know it as, was created in ECW. You know what I mean? Before then... We weren't seeing a lot of multi-man matches, three guys going at it all at once. You know what I mean? We'd end up seeing a tag match or a four corners match between four guys. ECW perfected it, and now the WWE is finally once again back on track to doing it well. Rollins did a fantastic job. Damien Priest is coming to his own, and Nakamura is back in a big way. 
Seth Rollins gets the win after 23 minutes. I commend both all three of those men. And the right man won in Seth Rollins. Then we go to our second matchup, which is Finn Balor the, taking on The Miz, taking on Cody Rhodes, the second triple threat match. And this one even exceeded the first one because Finn Balor was all over the place, but in a good way. The Miz was doing his cocky heel routine, and Cody Rhodes, who was the odds-on favorite, looked like he had the match won. And then here comes Brock Lesnar out of the crowd, being hidden until that moment, takes out Cody, puts him through the announce table, and Finn Balor won. And we talked about this last week. If it wasn't the odds-on favorite, the guy everyone was saying was going to do it, Cody, I thought it should have been Finn Balor or Seth Rollins. And it's both of them now going to the main event tonight on Monday Night Raw. Great job. Great way of selling. And then number three, Lesnar attacking Cody Rhodes. Because it wasn't just the attack during the match. It was after the match. Lesnar grabbed Cody like a hurt child, held him there with his hand in his head, yelled and screamed about Cody doing what he did to his face and taking credit for what he did and beating him. And now he wants a fight. So these two are now locked into a fight at Night of Champions. And if their matchup at uh, the last pay-per-view, Backlash, was any indication of what we're going to see, I think we're in for a damn good fight. I think we're in for a damn good night. And, you know, it's not just all about crowding a new world heavyweight champion. Other matches are being formed now. So you got Cody taking on Brock. You got whoever's in the finals of the world heavyweight title tournament. And then another match that was made on SmackDown. We'll get into that in a minute. Wow. I like this card already. It's stacked already, and we're only three matches in, and we're two weeks away. Uh, Number four, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens taking on Imperium. Great tag team match. Nice to see Zayn and Owens away from the Usos, who seem to always be challenging for the world tag team titles lately or always involved in the tag team title hunt. It was great to see Imperium get the shot. I honestly, if Sami and Kevin had had a longer reign, had we already been four or five months in, I think Imperium is the next best choice for tag team champions, but they're only a month and a half into their reign. Sammy and Kevin get the win after a nice back and forth between all four men. Uh, Number five, Trish and Becky Lynch's encounter. Trish Stratus comes out. She's got this shit-eating grin. She's talking about Becky and her daughter. She's making these heel crazy jokes that are, are just hilarious. Out comes Becky after a little bit of a tease. Beats down Trish. Becky takes the mic and says, the man came around and just whipped your ass. That's a t-shirt, in my opinion. I love what they're doing with this feud. And finally, on Monday Night Raw number six, Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins in the main event. Wow. The rematch from the Universal Heavyweight Title Tournament is now the main event of Monday Night Raw in the semifinals of the World Heavyweight Title Tournament. Only it didn't go as planned this time for Finn Balor. Uh, Even though Judgment Day tried to come out, Seth Rollins, after beating the crap out of Finn Balor and having a great back-and-forth matchup. Seth Rollins gets the win. Rollins is going tonight at champions in the finals of the World Heavyweight Title Tournament. In my opinion, this is the right move. Everybody is behind this guy. You've got 20,000 people a night humming along to his theme song and making up words, which they're just going, oh, 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 oh. But they're making up things that don't need to be there in the song. And it's great. So why not have a fight for the World Heavyweight title at Night of Champions? Uh, Now we move over to NXT. And the opening match of uh, Tiffany Stratton and Gigi Dolan was pretty damn good. 
They only got eight minutes, but they did what they could with it. Uh, Tiffany with a nice forward roll and then goes up to the ring for the prettiest moonsault ever. Gets the win. I'm a little sad that my girl Gigi is not moving on in the tournament. But with everything that Tiffany Stratton has done since Indy Hartwell became women's champion and then relinquished the title, I understand why they're going with Tiffany here. Uh, I think our, our finals of the women's title tournament on NXT is going to come down to Tiffany Stratton and Cora Jade. It's just my feelings. And if it's not Cora Jade, it's got to be Roxanne Perez versus Tiffany Stratton. Tiffany has actually done a crazy 180 and has actually become a decent wrestler and has a lot of eyes on her. And Cora and Roxanne, in my opinion, are now the face of the division, so it only makes sense. Number two, Gallus versus the Dyad. Great, hard-hitting 15-minute tag match. Uh, four big guys just teeing off on one another. It's what you want to see in a tag team match when you've got it's what you got on the roster. Uh, the Dyad almost got the win with a little help from Ava Rain, but no. It turns out Ivy Nile didn't want that to happen. A little bit of a distraction. Gallus catches the Dyad, hit their finisher, and they are still the NXT Tag Team Champions. I don't know where they're going with Gallus, but I like it. And I don't know where they're going with the Dyad, and I'm a little afraid because the two members of the Dyad, formerly the Grizzled Young Veterans, asked for their release last month, so you never can tell what might actually happen. And then finally, the main event, Braun Breaker taking on Trick Williams. Let me tell you something. I shit on Trick Williams a couple times on this show in the past. <clears throat> he has gotten into crazy shape. He has been training. And that guy was a serious threat on NXT against Braun Breaker. He hit quite a few moves. Braun did all he could to muscle back and fight, but he kept Braun Breaker reeling. Breaker got the win after a hell of a spear. Carmelo Hayes hit the ring to try to save his opponent, uh, his partner, excuse me. Hayes hits the ring, tries to save his partner from being put in the Steiner recliner another time. Breaker ain't having it. He cuts Mello in half with another spear. Yeah, we've got the makings of a great one-on-one -on -one NXT world title match between Carmelo Hayes and Braun Breaker in the rematch. Uh, no big happenings in the backstage area, as you can see on the highlight reel for NXT, but it's to be expected. We now move on to AEW Dynamite. And, uh, yeah, number one, the opening match, Claudio Castanali taking on Ray Phoenix in a double jeopardy match. If you don't know what that is, Claudio is the uh, ROH World Heavyweight Champion. Ray Phoenix is the ROH World Tag Team Champions with Pentagon. Whoever got the win here got a future title shot at the other one's title. So if Ray Phoenix would have won, he gets a shot at the Ring of Honor title. If Claudio wins, he picks a partner, and now he's got a shot at the World Tag Team title. Well, after a grueling 24 minutes back and forth, Claudio got the win after that neutralizer that he hit so damn well. He beats Ray Phoenix, and now the question is, does he pick Daniel uh, Brian Danielson? Does he pick Wheeler, Wheeler Yuta? Does he pick uh, John Moxley, who's involved in this vicious feud with Kenny Omega? Or does he maybe, just maybe, call out to an old friend and the Blackpool Combat Club gets a new member in um, Chris Hero, that's my prediction anyway. If you're going to bring back a, a, you know, make him get a partner, make it his king of wrestler tag team partner, Chris Hero, the hero, the former Cassius Sono. But that's just me. MJF's vignette promo was fantastic. Him talking about how that the four pillars are like the Beatles and pointing out which one is which, dead on. 
when this guy grabs a mic and talks, you have to listen. I love when MJF is talking. I'd like him to wrestle a little bit more because when he is in the ring, he does a damn fine job. But no big deal. The four pillars matchup, in my opinion, is going to be big at AEW's next pay-per-view. It just really, really has to be done well, and I hope they are able to do so. Then we come to a in-ring promo, number three, FTR, Mark Briscoe, Jeff Jarrett, and Jay Lethal in the ring. FTR calling out Jarrett and Lethal to uh, say that they've been using Mark Briscoe. They don't want to do it. Sanjay Dutt starts, you know, throwing stones. Uh, at the next pay-per-view, it'll be FTR defending the tag team titles against Jarrett and Lethal. I don't know how many times Jarrett and Lethal are going to get a shot at the tag titles, but I like the rapport because out comes Mark Briscoe now. He's friends with all of these guys. He brings out a bottle of booze. He wants to serve a toast because now Mark Briscoe will be the special guest referee for this tag team match. And I don't know where they're going. Will Briscoe call it down the middle, or is he going to turn heel and join Jarrett Lethal? Whatever happens here, it's going to be comedy gold. And it was great because then Sanjay spits out the booze and hits uh, Dax Hardwood in the face with it. Dax is blinded. Jarrett and Lethal start beating the crap out of Cash. And then poor Mark Briscoe eats a pile driver from the blinded Dax Hardwood. And now everybody's freaked out. Like, what did you do to Mark? Oh, no, you're an asshole. You do, you know, hilarious. I love the way that they're going with this. It's, it's, it's really, really good. Number four, Orange Cassidy defending the International Heavyweight Championship against Daniel Garcia. I like this match. I really did. And I have to say that Orange Cassidy, although I don't like the gimmick, is a damn fine wrestler. And he can get the job done when he's not being that lazy, slow kick, slow running, hands in pockets kind of guy. I like Daniel Garcia. I think he's a damn fine wrestler. But when they force Daniel Garcia to try to be a sports entertainer by doing his best Alex Wright impression, Jesus Christ. Otherwise than that, though, the match was great. Garcia locked in a cross face and then began stomping on the injured hand of Orange Cassidy. It looked like he'd have the match won. Cassidy reversed it, gets the roll-up win, and Orange Cassidy is still the international heavyweight champion. And then finally, our main event. Kenny Omega versus John Monsley in a steel cage match. Now, you may be saying, hey, Arch, you hate John Moxley. You constantly shit on this guy about his constant bleeding. Yes, they do. But they actually had a damn fine match. These two guys together in the ring when they're actually wrestling and having a great matchup do have a great matchup. Okay? And yes, Moxley bled within the first five minutes of the match. But here, I'll tell you this. John Moxley... Had reason to bleed. He's in a cage match. He does not have reason to bleed when he is fighting pretty Peter Avalon on dark elevation. You know, you get my point? It makes no sense for that. But in a cage match, by all means, have this guy bleed because he just got slammed into the cage wall. <coughs> Excuse me. They went back and forth in a good 20-minute matchup inside a steel cage. There was no hokey, oh, the, the floor is made of boxes or anything stupid. No, they had a great match where they even busted through the cage and it looked dangerous. So Omega looked like he was about to have the match won. In comes Don Callis. He stabs Omega in the head with a screwdriver. That's right, Dan. Don Callis turns on Kenny Omega. And 
I don't know if he joined the Blackpool Combat Club or not, but Moxley gets the win. And wow, I'm 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 actually shocked. For the first time, there was a heel turn that made sense and uh, left me wanting more. So good job, AEW. But we'll get back to the cage match in a second. Now moving on to MLW's replacement on this uh, highlight reel. And it is, wow, women of wrestling. Now, according to my cable, wow, women of wrestling uh, will be making its debut on the WLNY channel uh, this Saturday. Uh, So before they did, I wanted to give them a watch. So I went back and I watched the first episode of this new edition of wow. And uh, yeah, I uh, wanted to get accustomed to what I'd be watching this coming Saturday uh, and hopefully, you know, understand a little better and see if it's worth it. So this is what went down on WOW that I thought was deserving of the highlight reel. Number one, Santana Garrett and Tessa Blanchard's face-off inside the ring. Uh, Santana was the women's champion for this first uh, show, and uh, her father was at ringside. Tessa comes out and rings out the accomplishments of herself and her dads and grandfather. They poke fun at each other a little bit. It was a really, really good face-off between two women who can go in the ring. Number two, Fire taking on Maverick. Fire is Kira Hogan. Uh, and this was before she made it to AEW when she still had the yellow and red hair. Uh, coming out with a yellow, white, and red outfit, as her name is Fire. And yeah, it was it was pretty decent. Uh, good back-and-forth matchup. Uh, Maverick is apparently the uh, mayor's daughter. And yeah, I like that's what I like about WoW. And I used to like about the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Glow. They give them characters. It's kind of campy. It's kind of funny. But this was a really decent match. Number three, Eye Candy versus Chloe Hertz. And Chloe Hertz, um, I don't remember exactly who it was, but it is someone who is on a current roster right now and uh, been, being used currently. But Eye Candy is Willow Nightingale. Uh, so, again, another current AEW talent was on WOW. And, I mean, for a mixture of styles here uh, between both these women, and, you know, different styles, different uh, back and forth. Yeah, they did a really great job uh, of putting together a great matchup, which uh, Willow Nightingale uh, got, well, excuse me, Eye Candy uh, got the win, you know. Uh, by the way, I've just done a little bit of research. Chloe Hertz huh, is uh, Rob Van Dam's girlfriend, Katie Forbes. That's, uh, yeah, I, so she's not currently on a roster. But she was a part of women's wrestling, of fabulous women's wrestling, um, and was in Impact Wrestling. So this was before she did the button plant and got a bunch of tattoos. But was still dating Rob Van Dam at the time. And then finally, in the main event, a hell of a main event too, they gave them 15 minutes, which I was shocked. Uh, we had Jungle Girl challenging for the WOW World Heavyweight title uh, when she took on Santana Garrett. And during the match, Tessa Blanchard came out. Tried to get involved. She got taken out by uh, Jungle Girl. Uh, Santana got the win and retains the women's championship. Great all-around matchup. Uh, I'm going to go into the following, you know, next week's show and hopefully enjoy it just as much because I got to say for an hour, like I said, it was comedy. It was campy. Everybody had a background story except for the main talent like Tessa Blanchard. Didn't need a character, but everybody else was just fun and, and enjoyable. So, Great job to WOW for being a nice, you know, out-of-nowhere replacement for MLW. And then finally, over on SmackDown, 
And uh, we got number one on Friday Night SmackDown, Edge versus AJ Styles versus Rey Mysterio. Again, another incredible triple threat match. Uh, Rey Mysterio has been on the last few weeks since they, you know, introduced the LWO. Uh, been on SmackDown, on Raw, battling everybody and anybody that he can. Doing a really good job of it. Edge coming back after WrestleMania. This was his first match since, and I thought it was a little silly to put him in the tournament. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to win it, and then once I lose it, I'll retire. And just, I don't know, but he did a great job in the match. And then AJ Styles, who just came back last week from injury. So, yeah, it was like the battle of two guys who just recently came back and one guy that's finally on again. Great job. AJ Styles gets the win after the phenomenal forearm after 24 minutes. And I was shocked. I thought maybe Edge would go over. But, yeah, AJ gets the win. Right man won. We go to the next matchup, which is uh, Sheamus versus Bobby Lashley versus Austin Theory. A nice change from the quick, uh, high-flying uh, uh, technical side wrestlers to the brawlers and Austin Theory, who's still finding his way, our U.S. champion. Uh, Lashley got bust, busted open through the match and was bleeding the hard way. Uh, good all-around matchup again. And Lashley gets the win, which leaves me wondering, does that mean AJ Styles is not winning the main event? Because I'm assuming they're going to push Lashley to the moon now that SmackDown is back at full capacity and we've got the new rosters. Uh, Lashley being one of the new members, I, I don't know. Uh, number three, talked about the other match that was signed for Night of Champions. Well, Roman Reigns' in-ring promo with the bloodline, he finally lets it all out. He tells the Usos they disappointed him and that they lost the tag team titles. He also tells Solo Sokoa how he is proud of him and all that he has done to provide for the bloodline and win at any cost. Wow. And then Paul Heyman announces that, yes, the bloodline will be trying to get back the world tag team titles when Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn defend at Night of Champions the undisputed world tag team titles against Solo Sokoa and Roman Reigns. Wow. Could you guys imagine Roman Reigns with four titles if he wins this matchup with Solo? Now, I have a feeling that the Usos are going to do something stupid here and get involved and then possibly cost Roman Reigns the titles. But, yeah, this is the way. When your World Heavyweight Champion is not scheduled to defend uh, his title, the Universal title and the Undisputed Championship, you still put him in a tag match. You make sure he's on the show. Do something with him, goddammit. And this was the right move. And then finally, the main event, AJ Styles versus Bobby Lashley. They only gave them 10 minutes. But these guys went through hell in their opening matches. Styles was out there for 24 minutes, and Lashley was out there for 20 minutes. So you want to make sure that they're preserved. You give them a 10-minute match in the main event. Lashley looked like he had it all wound up and won. But no, AJ Styles battles back, gets the win. AJ Styles is going to Riyadh in Saudi Arabia at the Blood Money. I mean, Night of Champions pay-per-view. And will challenge Seth Rollins for one of them to become the new world heavyweight champion. This is everything I could have hoped for. Because you got two former world heavyweight champions battling for the newly crowned champ. Newly found, newly created belt. Right move, WWE. Great job. Great job by all. Whoever booked this, well done. So with that being said. And for all the praise that I just gave out, it is now time for the low light reel. And number one, Mustafa Ali versus Otis on Monday Night Raw. This was a two and a half minute matchup. It was a blunder. 
I don't know what they're doing with Otis, Chad Gable, and Maxine Dupree. Uh, I don't know if Maxine is done with Maximum Male Models, but if she is, great. Uh, and Ali gets a crazy win out of nowhere. I don't like this very much. I, I don't like that they're doing that to Otis. And if you're going to push Ali, at least push him in a tech, technical 10-minute match. Number two, Rhea Ripley versus um, Dana Brooks. And then the Natalia face-off, because Natalia comes, or at least attempted to come to the aid of Dana Brooks. Look at how stupid this is, ladies and gentlemen. You have Rhea Ripley destroy Dana Brooks in two and a half minutes. Mind you, Dana Brooks has not been seen on television in months since the 24-7 title got thrown away. And then, as Rhea Ripley is destroying Dana further after the matchup in that submission move of hers, Natalia's music hits, and she begins to walk down to the ring at a glacier's pace. And so much so that Corey Graves even says, I don't think Natalia's in a hurry to save Dana. So Natalia comes to the ring, she gets in the face of Rhea Ripley, and then that's it. So I'm guessing Rhea versus Natalia at Night of Champions is going to take place. Here's where I've got a problem with it. One, why would you book Dana Brooks so badly on her return match? Two, why would you let Rhea Ripley destroy her like that? And now you've got two uh, uh, squash matches on the show. And three, why the hell does Natalia need another title shot? Shouldn't she be the one helping to evaluate people now and evaluating people to a title shot and not receiving a title shot? Makes no sense to me. Number three uh, from NXT, the Chase U, uh, Javier, uh, what is it, Javi something or another, Javi the body, something or another, backstage segment on NXT. I'm not a big fan of Chase U. I think Andre Chase is great, but I don't like the whole school teacher Matt Stryker did it. Shane Douglas did it. It's BS bullshit. But then you add Duke Hudson, who I've never liked either. And, you know, he's a part of Chase U now, and that's just even worse. But then you add this Javi guy who, Javi Burnell, excuse me, that's his name, who is annoying as fuck, like X-Pac go away, heed. And he, he I, I didn't even understand the segment. He's cracking up about chase you and about Duke Hudson's going to take it over and then Duke is defending but let's have a match and God bad 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 number four Chris Jericho's backstage segment in AEW I can't explain to you how much I hate lawsuits in wrestling they're like the worst of the worst storyline when you hear a wrestler say I retained legal counsel and I got a restraining order to keep you out of the building tonight. What the fuck does that mean? You are both wrestlers. When I hear you made this an unsafe work environment. Well, wait a second. The Undertaker threw Mick Foley off a freaking steel cage. A hell in a cell through the mat and an announce table. And mankind didn't say you made this an unsafe working environment. That makes no sense, okay? I don't care if, he, if Chris Jericho was on commentary and Adam Cole uh, beat him down. I don't care if he was in catering. I don't care if he was recording such some other bad song. It makes no sense. So he does this, and in walks Roderick Strong. Hi, Roddy. Welcome to AEW. Finally get to hear you talk. 
and you want a match with Chris Jericho, but you don't just want a regular match. You want a Falls Count Anywhere match, hardcore style. Okay, great. Wonderful. Jericho says yes, but Adam Cole won't be in the building. No problem. Guess what? Roddy Strong knows at least 90% of the AEW locker room. But then Roderick Strong goes and says, well, I retain legal counsel too, and I got a restraining order that the JAS, the Jericho Appreciation Society, dumbest name ever, won't be in the arena either. What the actual fuck? Who booked that backstage segment? Because I want to smack them in the head. That was the worst backstage segment I've ever seen. The only thing that would have made it worse if they would have done it in the ring live in front of the audience. Number five uh, from AEW as well, Christian's in-ring promo. This guy loves talking about people's dead fathers. It's getting ridiculous. He had the nerve to mention Arn Anderson in a negative light, how Arn was, you know, in a, just in a tag team with Tully Blanchard and was Ric Flair's, you know, bitch. No, no, Christian. Arn Anderson was in the best tag team with Tully Blanchard, where he and Tully shared the role of an enforcer and were constantly beating their opponents into submission. No, Christian, Arn Anderson wasn't Ric Flair's bitch. He was his right-hand man who took people out when they talked badly about the world heavyweight champion. And granted, Arn Anderson was never a world heavyweight champion, but he brought the world television champion to, to prominence. He was a world tag team champion in the WWF and the WCW multiple times, okay? He was also in a tag team with Bobby Eaton and with Larry Zbysko, and they were fan-fucking-tastic, okay? Now, Christian is a great wrestler. I have no issue with Christian respect-wise, because here's why. Christian is a former world tag team champion, United States, intercontinental, European hardcore, and world heavyweight champion in both the WWE and Impact Wrestling. But Christian, back when you were a tag team with Edge, you were the genetic. It just so happens that Edge got hurt, and you finally got a shot at the world heavyweight title in the WWE. So, the next time you want to cast stones, make sure you cast them at somebody that doesn't have a fan base behind them and isn't one of the best technical wrestlers in the damn business. Number six, what was going on during the main event of AEW? That's right. I told you guys. We were going to come back to the to the cage match. Why did the Young Bucks, Claudio, Wheeler Yuta, need to fight on the stage? It was a cage match. You're not supposed to be at ringside because you can't get in the ring. We didn't need to watch another three-minute match between these two guys and do the exact thing we knew they were going to do, throw the opponent off the stage and then do a splash for no damn reason. The focus should have been on Omega and on Moxley. You gave them 22 minutes, but guess what? Three to five minutes of that was dedicated to their entrances, which are both long as fuck, and the Young Bucks, Claudio, and Wheeler Yuta. So what are you telling me? That if Claudio ends up becoming the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion, the Young Bucks are going to challenge for the ROH Tag Team titles because they're too afraid to go against the FTR. Bad booking. Let your main event be your main event. That's all there is to it. And finally, number seven, SmackDown. 
Pretty Deadly's backstage segment with the Brawling Brutes. You guys know I am not Pretty Deadly fans. I, I don't I don't like these guys at all. Um, I think that Elton Prince and, and Kit Wilson are very annoying. For me only, though. I, I know you guys probably like them. I understand. Maybe they have a fan base. But then you put them with two, with three of the toughest men in your roster. Why didn't Sheamus and Ridge Holland and Pete Dunne beat the crap out of these guys? Why were they left as comedy fodder on the showroom floor? I just don't get it. I don't understand it. And if that's the way you're going to build these guys up is to um, make them be comedy relief and then put them in a match with the Brawling Brutes, the only way I see them beating the Brawling Brutes is by count out. It just makes no sense. You should have put them in a match with the Alpha Academy if you're going to let Otis lose anyway to Muhammad Mustafa Ali. You should have put them in a match with the LWO, Joaquin Wilde and, and Mendoza. You know, there were, there were plenty of other tag teams to place them against. But this is what you do is you put them with the Brawling Brutes. Bad booking. In, in my opinion, it's a career suicide if you're doing this. But maybe that's just me. So, with that being said, I want to thank you guys for joining me and listening to my rant just now and listening to me in general. Uh, continue to support everything on WrestleMed Radio, including the year that was a slice in time, the Nothing But Trouble podcast with me and my buddies, and uh, also the show that started it all, the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Make sure that you look out for the magazine show on YouTube and check out, check out Nate Maxson's new show, uh, where he looks at if WCW was still alive, how he's booking WCW past the 2001 time period. Have a great night, ladies and gentlemen, and I will see you next week on If You Smell What Arch Is Cooking.